0: You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. If you will, take out your Bibles and your teaching notes. And if in your Bibles, you would turn to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. I want to read to you three verses from John chapter 14 that are foundational for the study that we're in, uh, have been in starting two weeks ago and uh, will be for today and two weeks following. Uh, John chapter 14, it's gonna also be on the screens. I'm gonna read to you verses 15, 16, and 17. Jesus is speaking and he says, "'If you love me, keep my commandments, "'and I will ask the Father, "'and he will give you another advocate "'to help you and be with you forever.'" the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Again, those verses are very foundational for a study that we're in, the study of the Holy Spirit. And simply put, the series is just called The Holy Spirit. And uh, what we're doing, and I've said this the past two weeks, but I'll say it again today, the, the goal in this study is to confront any misperceptions or misunderstandings that we might have about the Holy Spirit so that we can grow in our understanding of who He is and how He works. And so uh, beginning in the first week, we affirmed a few things about the Holy Spirit. We affirmed that the Holy Spirit is our advocate. He comes alongside of us. Jesus said, I will give you another advocate, uh, which means one like the same. In other words, he was saying, you've had me. I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send you another one like me. And the other one, the Holy Spirit, will be with you all the time. Jesus was limited because of his incarnation uh, geographically. So he says, I'm going to give you another advocate. And what he meant was, I'm going to give you someone, the paraclete, the one who can come alongside of you and do what you cannot do for yourself. I don't know about you, but I need that. Uh, We also affirmed in that first week that uh, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity and he's fully God. In other words, we see the Holy Spirit at work beginning in creation and we see the Holy Spirit at work throughout the story of the Bible. Uh, That week we affirmed that the Holy Spirit is not an it. Do not refer to the Holy Spirit as it. The Holy Spirit is a person that we can have a relationship with, He is our friend. And finally, We affirm that the Holy Spirit is always with us. He doesn't come and go. In the Old Testament, the the Holy Spirit would come uh, to empower a prophet, a judge, a warrior for a particular work for a particular time. But what we see is after Jesus, the Holy Spirit came and the Holy Spirit is continually with us. He's in us. He's working in us, helping us to live out our lives effectively as Christ followers. And then last weekend, we took some time and we focused on what happened on the day of Pentecost when the promised Holy Spirit, the promise which had been spoken of through the prophet Joel, through John the Baptist, and through Jesus on the day of Pentecost, that promise was fulfilled. And one of the things that happened is the disciples and actually all that were gathered in that upper room in a moment of time their lives were transformed and they began to experience a dimension of power that they never had before. And it was evidence because Peter stood up and he preached this message about Jesus Christ in a way that, Pete, remember we said Peter was the, the disciple with the foot-shaped mouth. He was brash. He was harsh. He, he, he was eager to start, but very slow to finish. First one in, first one out. This man now empowered by the Holy Spirit, stood and he told the story of Jesus. And as he did, 3,000 people came into relationship with Jesus Christ that day. But what's interesting is that um, uh, they began to not only experience a new dimension of power that day, But it was evident that that's how they began to live in that power for the rest of their lives. As you read their story throughout the New Testament, you see that they were men and women living in the power of the Holy Spirit. One last thing that I want us to be sure to recall, I think it's very important. In Acts chapter 2, as Peter preached this message as he proclaimed the story of Jesus, it says that the people were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart because the Holy Spirit was working. And their response is, what should we do? And Peter spoke into their question and he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But then he went on, he said, this promise is for you and for your children and for those who are afar off, for all whom the Lord our God will call, and what we talked about is that Peter was saying this isn't a one-day experience. The Day of Pentecost was not a one-off, but this is for you and the generation to follow. You and the generation, 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 and the generation to come. That we see that that same outpouring of God's Holy Spirit is active and alive today. As I was preparing, even throughout this series, but particularly this, this week's message, and I was, I was thinking about the day of Pentecost and what Peter said, this is for you and for your children and for those who are far off, to all whom the Lord would call. My, I realize my, my prayer, my personal prayer, my personal desire, but my prayer and my desire for each one of you individually and for us at Grace Covenant, and particularly because where God has placed Cami and I for our East Lincoln Campus family, My prayer and my desire is that we would be a people who would be open every day of our lives to this same kind of outpouring. That we would have a hunger and a thirst for the fullness and the power of God. That it would be how we live our lives. That it would be just like we sang this morning, nothing else will do. Nothing. Nothing else will do. I'm continually praying that 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 will increase in my life. But you need to know, watch out because I'm praying it for you. Cammie's praying it for you. And there are other people that are praying it for you. Stir up your gifts in us, Lord. Let us experience your your spirit fresh and new. Uh, Moving on. Today, uh, we want to look at the work of the Holy Spirit, more of the work of the Holy Spirit uh, particularly in how the Holy Spirit works in calling people to, G- to Jesus and then how he works in our lives um, after we're believers. Uh, we've clearly seen in the previous weeks of this study that the role of the Holy Spirit is to help us. I don't know about you, but I need it. We all need. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is god living in us. He continually works to reveal Jesus to us so that we can become more like him. He is continually working to refresh, to renew, to refine, to transform our character. And he's continually working to to resource, and I think even a better word is to empower our abilities, our skills, our gifts, so that they can be used to serve the world around him. One of the greatest examples of this, I believe, is what happened in the country of Wales in 1904, the Great Welsh Revival. And I want to talk about it just a little bit. It started on a February Sunday morning in a little town called New Quay, Wales. There was a young pastor by the name of Joseph Jenkins. He held a prayer meeting for young people. And in that prayer meeting, he asked them, would you tell us what Jesus means to you? Um... There was some awkward silence in the room. One young man, uh, as the story is told, stood and, and uh, tried to quote a, a catechism that he had memorized. Uh, didn't do real well with it. Some more awkward silence in the room. And then a young girl by the name of Florie Evans. Flory Evans stood to her feet in that group of young people. And this is what she said very simply. I love Jesus. With all my heart. Listen to what she said. Just those simple words. I love Jesus with all my heart. Immediately, there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in that room. There was a visible manifestation. And in the same way that Flory Evans had declared her love for Jesus. The young people in that room began to weep and they began to declare their love for Jesus. And that was the very beginning of the great revival that took place in Wales in 1904. Move on to October of that same year. There was a young uh, pastor, preacher by the name of Evan Roberts. Evans made, Evan made a declaration to his mom one day. He said, Wells is getting ready to see the greatest revival that it has ever seen. And it was with that confidence that Evan Roberts began to preach. And he began to preach to young people about the importance of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Other preachers in the area began to join in and they began to preach the same message. And before long, the the meeting halls, uh, the churches were filled. And men and women were coming into relationship with Jesus Christ. It sounds like the same kind of thing that happened on the day of Pentecost. There was an outpouring of the Spirit. I want you to listen uh, what happened as a result of that outpouring. We read thousands of people. Were Thousands of people were saved. Public houses and pubs became almost empty. Men and women who used to waste their money getting drunk were now saving it and giving it to the church. They were using their money to buy clothes and food for their families. Stealing and other offenses became less and less often a magistrate came to court and found that there were no cases for him to try. Can you imagine that Micah? That there would be such an outpouring, Micah is a judge, that he, there would be such an outpouring of the Spirit, that day after day, Micah would show up at work and there's no criminals. There, there's nothing to try because there's been a movement of the Holy Spirit. Stealing and other offenses became less than, oh, I just read that. Men who blasphemed learned to talk purely. The miners put in a better day's work, but the pit ponies could not understand what happened to the miners as now they spoke more kindly to the pit ponies. The pit ponies were so confused by this kind language, they actually became disobedient because they didn't know what to do. People who had been careless about paying their bills or paying back money they had borrowed gave back all they owed. People who had quarreled forgave each other and were reconciled. Society was changed and Wales became a God-fearing nation. Though Wales was a little-known country on the Celtic fringe of Europe when the 1904 revival began, within a short time people were flocking to see and hear for themselves what God was doing and to share in the blessing. Newspaper reports of the revival spread the news of the awakening. And visitors, touched by the Spirit of God, took the flame to their home countries. The revival spread as ripples of water on a pond to Europe first, then America, and eventually to all five continents. And it all happened because first, Joseph Jenkins was willing to call a group of young people together And it all happened because a young girl by the name of Flory Evans was willing to stand and make a public declaration and say, I love Jesus with all my heart. And because of that declaration and that outpouring of the Holy Spirit that followed, it began to flow out from that room. It began to flow out From the people, it reminds me, Jesus said that you shall have rivers of living water flowing from you. This is what he's talking about. It's the movement of the Holy Spirit. And those living waters of the Spirit began to flow out from that room. And it literally changed the spiritual climate of Wales. But it didn't stop there, did it? It literally impacted the world. The spiritual climate of the world began to change because a young girl said, I love Jesus with all my heart. And there were a group of people who were open to the power and the fullness of the Holy Spirit in their lives so that God could use them. And it spread to the world because it reached to five continents. I thought about this a lot this week. Just so much. And I thought, what if that were to happen right here? What if it were to happen right here? What if at Grace Covenant, but more specifically, what if here on this Grace Covenant East Lincoln campus, we were so open, we were so willing to say, nothing else will do. I just want the completeness, I want the fullness, I want the power of the Holy Spirit functioning in my life. That there would be a manifest outpouring of the Holy Spirit in this place. Some of you say, that scares me. He's our friend. There's nothing to be afraid of. But what if, what if we were so open that right here in this place there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the rivers of living water by the Holy Spirit began to work in and through us and it began to reach out to East Lincoln, to Lincoln County, to North Carolina, to the country, and to the world. What if? What if we poised ourselves in such a way that it could happen here? But there was a question that I asked myself early this morning, I was just looking over my notes, and my question was, Would we know what to do? Would we be willing? Would we even see it? I'm I'm not speaking words of condemnation. I'm I'm really not. I'm just, I'm asking, I, I guess I was asking that about myself. If someone were to stand up in this room on a Sunday morning and say, I love Jesus Christ with all my heart and there was a manifest presence of the Holy Spirit, would we know what to do with that? Would we know how to receive it and, and, and carry it on? I want to believe yes. I, I really do because here's, here's what I've seen. We've literally been in pandemic mode one year. And it's been a tough year. But I want to tell you one of the greatest things about the pandemic is it's caused us to rethink church. I hope this doesn't displease anyone. We, we said, when, is, when are things going to get back to normal? Well, I'm looking for a new normal, but here's what I know. Church will never happen the way it used to. That's not a bad thing. I think what we've learned this year is we've, we've been forced to look deep inside the structure of the church. Not just Grace Covenant, but every church in the nation. Every Searching the world, I suppose. And saying, gosh, what we were doing just a month ago, a few months ago, it won't work now because we're not even supposed to come together. And so we were forced to say, so how will we move on and continue to be the church? And so we began to look and we, we, we realized Gosh, there were a lot of things that we were doing that we don't need to do. They weren't life producing. We just did them because we've always done it. And we also realize there's a lot of things that we need to be doing. We need to be listening. We need to be sensitive to that we haven't been. And I say this because here's what I believe. I believe that the Holy Spirit has been orchestrating his church through this so that as we move into the future... At least this is what I believe about this campus family. And I believe it about all of Grace Covenant. But God has placed Cammie and I here. And here's what I believe. We are positioned. I think that we are hungry. And that we are ready for that outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We don't know what it will look like. But I know that God by His Spirit wants those rivers of living water to flow out and through us in a way that we've never experienced before. And that we won't be stuck into an old mold, but instead we would say, whatever it takes to reach the world around us so that there can be transformation, whatever it takes for us to experience the power of the Holy Spirit, the completeness, the fullness of the Spirit in our lives so that we can do what God has called us to do. We would see miracles and we would see healings and we would see great testimonies because of the power of God. And we would never be afraid of it. But we would rejoice and we would see the spiritual climate change all around us. It's possible. It's very possible. And all it takes is a group of people who are open, who are willing, who are surrendered and submitted to allowing the power of the Holy Spirit to consistently flow through our lives. That's all it takes. We just say, nothing else, nothing else will do. It's possible. Well, it was a bonus message. Not in my notes. So I'm going to move on. I hope you will think about that much. I hope you will begin to make it the earnest prayer of your heart. So... Um, the point I've just made is we have to respond. We have to respond to the Holy Spirit. So uh, we have to respond to the work of the Holy Spirit. So, so how does the Holy Spirit work in our lives, drawing us to Christ and as believers? What is it that we're responding to? Well, um, in, in both of the past two weeks of this series, we, we've, we've looked And uh, we've seen that the the work of the Holy Spirit begins before we ever come into relationship with Jesus Christ. And it begins as the Holy Spirit convicts. The first thing that the Holy Spirit does in bringing us to Jesus is that the Holy Spirit convicts. I want you to listen from John chapter 16, verses 8 through 11. These are those final words that Jesus was having with his disciples. It says, when he comes... He will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because people do not believe in me. About righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. This, these verses tell us that the work of the Holy Spirit is to prove. Oftentimes we'll find this translated as, as uh, using the word convict. What is it that the Holy Spirit is proving? What is it that the Holy Spirit convicts of? Oftentimes, maybe most times, when we hear the word convict, we we tend to think of uh, a courtroom setting, uh, of criminal proceedings. And that's not the case here. It's not the case in these verses. Jesus is telling the disciples that the Holy Spirit will come and convict or convince the world about God's truth concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. That's the first work of the Holy Spirit. Robert Morris talks about for those, how those who don't yet know Jesus, the Holy Spirit convinces or he proves to them that their lives are being ruled by sin. And he goes on and he says, This convincing or this conviction is the only way people can become aware that they need a Savior. The truth is that no one ever comes to believe in Jesus as Savior without first coming to the conviction that he or she needs the Savior. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. So here's what happened. Before you had relationship with Jesus Christ, if you're here today and you have relationship with him, before you had relationship with Jesus Christ, something was going on around you and one day you tuned into it. You picked up on it and it was the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit was drawing you to Jesus and this convincing, this proving work, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, which is a good thing, was drawing you and and, and the first thing that the Holy Spirit was doing was convincing or, or proving to you that your life is being ruled by the wrong thing. Your life was being ruled by sin. And there's this conviction. There's this convincing in the heart. And, it, and suddenly you realize, yes, that's right. My life has been ruled by sin. And, and, and it's not working out. It, it, it's, it's not working out. And so uh, the Holy Spirit draws. The Holy Spirit convinces. And you recognize, I can't do this on my own. I can't work my way into salvation. I need, I need help. I need a Savior. And the Holy Spirit says, it's all been taken care of. Through Jesus Christ, you just have to simply believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. And then we start new, that, we become a new creation in Christ. That, that, that happens immediately. That's what the Holy Spirit is, is doing. Um, the Holy Spirit convinces people also that it's possible through Jesus Christ to have right standing with God and before God. He comes to convince of sin. And of righteousness. Again, the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, before you are in relationship with Jesus Christ, He's telling you, He's convincing you, you can't do this on your own. There's not one thing you can do to earn your salvation. You have to come. Through Jesus Christ in Hebrews chapter ten verses eight through fourteen, we're reminded that Jesus ascended to the heavens and is seated at the right hand of the Father, and Jesus being seated at the right hand of, of the Father is an eternal reminder that our sin has been taken care of through Jesus Christ it, it, it's all taken care of, so the Holy Spirit comes to uh, convict to convince about sin, about righteousness but uh, for those who don't yet know Christ, who are not yet Christ followers, uh, the Holy Spirit also convinces, proves, convicts that um, there's going to be a time of judgment. And in that time of judgment, we will all have to give accountability to how we lived our life. But here's the great thing. At the same time, while the Holy Spirit is, is proving to us, that that's that's a reality, the Holy Spirit is also convincing us, convincing those same people that God's judgment has been taken care of through Jesus Christ. Again, when you you realize that there's going to be a day of judgment, it's not like you say, okay, now I've got to figure out all the things I'm supposed to do. No, then the Holy Spirit says, but it's okay. It's all been taken care of. It's true, but, but you stand and you're in right standing before God because when God looks at you, he sees you through the blood of Jesus Christ. That, that's what the Holy Spirit does. Not only does the Holy Spirit convict, but the Holy Spirit comforts. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because I actually did in the first week. This is that thought that the Holy Spirit as our comforter. Jesus said, it's necessary that I go away and I will send another advocate, another comforter, is what we would often read. Uh, it's that paraclete. The one who comes alongside of us and does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. The Holy Spirit is our cherished friend. And as our cherished friends, he comes along to help, to assist, to exhort, to encourage, to counsel, to advise, and to strengthen. He's all in one. I might go to Jeff and ask for wisdom about this. And I might go to Mike and say, can you help me with this? And I might go to Eric and say, Eric, I need help with this. But probably not one of those men would be able to help me with everything. Except now that I can go to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is my comforter and it's all there. Because remember, he's fully God. And so I have this helper. I have this friend We also know the Holy Spirit as uh, our teacher, our guide, and our coach. In those last words to the disciples in John 16, 12 through 15, he says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So as our teacher, as our guide, as our coach... I think it's necessary that we understand that the Holy Spirit illuminates God's Word for us. In other words, the Holy Spirit guides us into the deep, mysterious, hidden truths of God's Word. Let's all face it. There are times when we open up the Bible and we're reading and go, I'm Sam Hill. I don't know what that means. Especially when, when the Old Testament prophets, right? What in the world? I can't untangle the language. But the Holy Spirit, as our teacher, as our guide, as our coach, actually reveals to us those things that seem like a mystery, those things that seem hidden. The Holy Spirit, um, so the word about itself says that the, the word of God is active. It's alive. It's always fresh. It's just the problem is we're not always fresh. And that's why we need that stirring of the living water in us at all times. But there are times where maybe you're reading a passage and you've read it hundreds and hundreds of times. And you think, I've squeezed all the juice out of that lemon that's there to squeeze. And then one day you're reading that same passage and you go, I've never seen that before. I I, I never noticed that. You know why? Why? Because the Holy Spirit was working and was revealing the word to you in a fresh and new way. In a way you had never seen. Listen, the Bible is a spiritual book. And when we read it, we need someone to teach teach it to us. So who better than the Holy Spirit? Because the word was the very breath of God. The Spirit of God inspired. Um. As the Holy Spirit teaches us the truth of God's word, he also tells us what's yet to come. That's exciting and that's scary, isn't it? Sometimes we just don't like the unknown and sometimes I'm better off not to know, right? Um, but here's what that means. The Holy Spirit is consistently revealing to us the spiritual blessings that have been provided to us through Jesus Christ. In other words, we're in this ongoing process where we're learning and, and there's more and there's more and there's more. So the Holy Spirit uh, brings us to a place where uh, he, he, he reveals to us the fullness, the completeness, all the blessings that have already been provided through Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul affirms this in 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 12. Let me read it to you. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. Listen to this. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, What no ear has heard and what no human mind has conceived, the greater things God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things that God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. I don't know how much more clear it could be. These things are revealed to us by God god's spirit and so every day we should be learning in a fuller way about the blessing the all the riches that god has prepared for us through jesus christ because they're new they're fresh, they're deeper they're greater actually than anything we can imagine yet the holy spirit will show us um so the work of the Spirit is, is to, to illuminate God's Word, to bring us into the fullness of God's family, God's kingdom, uh, it, it, all that, that's waiting on us. Here's, here's one last consideration of the work of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because I've been weaving this all throughout this series. Um, the work of the Holy Spirit is that the Spirit empowers. Again, Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Two things we want to take note of from this scripture. The first is Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That means that Jesus has provided us the ability to live naturally supernatural lives. That every day, there's not a day as Christ followers that the power of the Holy Spirit is not available to us. We just have to partake of it. We have to decide to live in it. But he said, you shall receive power. But then he went on to say, to be my witnesses. So it's not to make us some superhero, but he's called us for a work. There's a world that's lost and needs to hear about Jesus and to come into the fullness, to understand the riches, the blessings that have been provided for them through Jesus Christ. There's a new family waiting on them. So the Holy Spirit empowers us to be his witness. The Holy Spirit enables us to engage in supernatural ministry that glorifies the Father and brings help for others. So earlier, I just said my prayer, my personal desire, is that that I would come into a deeper understanding, a deeper knowledge of revelation Uh, An experience of the fullness and completeness, the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. But I also said that's my prayer for for all of us. Because I truly believe that God has poised us as a church family. I, I don't think that, I don't think we can discount what's been going on in this past year. We may not like it. But I believe the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit didn't stop working a year ago. So I have to wait till the pandemic when things are back to normal. He continued to work. And actually, for many of us, we were put in a position where we could listen better than ever before. Many of the distractions were removed. I know for us, we were suddenly going out walking and looking at the flowering trees and talking and seeing God at work in creation. Is this our desire? To see this continual work? of the Holy Spirit I believe the answer is yes I I really do so how is it possible how do we continually live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit I'm going to make it real simple it's very simple number one continually ask the Father to fill you with His Spirit would you make that a daily prayer and listen I, I haven't I didn't beat around the bush about this. I talked about what we see and read about in the the book of Acts. That the Holy Spirit came, and when we read throughout the remainder of of Acts and through the New Testament, we see that there were times, there's about eight or nine times, where men and women who were Christ followers... Actually experienced a subsequent experience where they were they were filled with they were baptized with a new power. Jesus, uh, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in us when we come into relationship with Jesus. There's no doubt about that. But if you read through Acts, you see that there and, and and also there was this endowment power. On one occasion, they said, "Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed?" And they said, "We didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit." But the key is, "Have you received since you believed?" And so. We have the Holy Spirit and salvation. But I'm encouraging us today. I'm challenging us, challenging us to walk that more. So continually ask the Father to fill you with His Spirit. Number two, continually receive the fullness and the, the power of the Spirit by faith. It, 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 by faith. You know, if you ask, believe that God's going to do it. And continually engage in a partnership and a friendship with the Holy Spirit. If you want to experience the Holy Spirit, you've got to make time. You you gotta you gotta you gotta rearrange your schedule. You you gotta make time so that you can you can sit and you can be quiet and you can listen and you can respond and you can receive that which he has this morning. Um, so every day, every Sunday morning, we get here much earlier than than any of you. And our goal is we're preparing for you, our family. And um, after we would kind of gotten everything ready this morning, I walk down to my office. Uh, did a couple of things. I was walking back down here and I just had this problem. Go back and just sit in your office. And so I, I turned around. I went back and for about five minutes, I just sat in my office silently. There was nobody down there. I didn't talk. I didn't open up my computer. I didn't open up a book. I just sat in my chair and I listened for the Holy Spirit. And, and much of what I was doing is I was bringing myself into alignment. in the silence of that, that I was letting some things go and, and, and putting myself in a posture where I could receive all of it. And it's really that simple that we would just make those kinds of times every day. So I'm going to sit in silence and I'm going to listen. I wonder if God sometimes says, would you please stop talking <laughs> and Listen. And that was one of those moments, and so that's what I'm encouraging us all to do every day, because God has something very powerful in store for us as a campus family, and for our area, and for the world, working through it. Holy Spirit, that's our prayer today, and not just today. May it be every day. You are so welcome to fill our hearts and our lives. We long for that fresh, living water to function in our hearts and in our lives every day. We long for the power of the Spirit to function in our lives personally in such a way that the church functions the way the church has been called to in the power of your Spirit. Help us to never be afraid, but instead, let us recognize continually that, Holy Spirit, you are our friend, you are our helper. And you come alongside of us and you do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. So we are open that we would be changed in a moment of time and then a moment of time and then a moment of time and then a moment of time. time. So we receive your spirit today. Work it out in all of us, I pray. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just want to ask a question that I've been asking every week and will continue to do. Is there anybody here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And today, there's something going on. And what it is, you're experiencing that work of the Holy Spirit that I talked about drawing you to Jesus Christ. That suddenly, you've responded to the Holy Spirit proving to you that your life is not being ruled by Jesus, but it's being ruled by sin. And the Holy Spirit has convinced you that's not the way to live. And the Holy Spirit is convincing you that you can't come into right standing with God because of any good thing you do. But it's simply by faith in Jesus Christ recognizing that the price for your sin has already been paid. And if that's you today and you want to say yes to Jesus Christ for the first time and have a relationship with him. I encourage you. We're going to cheer you on. So is there anybody here? And you would just lift up your hand. Everybody's head's bowed, eyes closed. You just lift up your hand and let your eye catch my eye. Your eyes catch my eyes to say, yes, that's me today. Is there anybody here in this room? And you say, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior today. Is there anybody? So, I look around the room? Again, Father, we thank you for salvation in this place. And I pray that that river of living water that comes by your spirit would continue to well up in us and flow out from us. So that as we leave this place, uh, that there would be a difference wherever we go. The spiritual climate would change because of the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And the people would be drawn to the spirit in us. We could tell them about Jesus Christ and watch them, see them, help them come into the family of God and experience this new life that you have. Father God, we ask also that you would send people to us in our weekend services who don't know you so we could tell them this story and help them grow deep and strong in you. I pray blessings over this people as they go today. May they be blessed in every way. And I pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. We are so glad you're here. Have a great week. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.